aren't the vibrations a lot better than the N64 Rumble Pack? Uh, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> the Rumble Pack was do like a, a one size fits all. This is more um, controlled. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> so I both hands. Star Fox. I just remember how heavy the Rumble Pack was, and like Woo! your wrist would get Look tired trying to hold up the Rumble Pack. I, I got it with my Star Fox 64. Um, oh, yeah. For Valentine's Day, I think it was like 1998 or 1999. Mom, since I had no real Valentine because I was a fat wrestling fan <laughs> as a kid, <laughs> mom got me Star Fox 64. I used to work with my buddy at this flea market little stand, it, it, like his, him and his Hispanic family. Like, yeah, where I used to do in Raleigh. There's a when flea market in school. Raleigh, huh? There, what, what's the flea market in Raleigh? It was just called the flea market. That's where I used to get all my wrestling DVDs. I and... appreciate a good flea market, but I hate when they're like just putting like pretty much sticker price on shit. Well, you. You're allowed to bargain with it. Nah, I, I just I shop, and if it's a good deal, I'll, I'll pick it up. But I'm not going to sit there and haggle with somebody with four teeth. You got a cigarette in mouth. You got to haggle. Ain't worth my time. You got to haggle. You got to haggle. You have to. No, because then, then you let then those people feel like they get a win. Cookie, before we start, what was your haggling? Uh, how did you haggle? Well, I was also like 12, so I would see my dad haggle. <laughs> but I would try and get the wrestling on, DVD. Mister. I can't. <laughs> I gotta be able to pay the ice cream man when it comes by. Dude, it was. <laughs> he would be like, "Come on, man. There's like a, you know, what I'm saying like, there's a dirt mark on this DVD. Like, this has to be like five dollars. Come on now, give it to me." <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. This bootleg copy of Cloverfield <laughs> goes for. <laughs> Ten dollars. Oh man, can you imagine a bootleg camcorder of Cloverfield? I oh, would, would I would throw up <laughs> double, double camcorded. I would <laughs> double camcorded. I'm pretty sure that's that's what they did. They went to Japan and just filmed a movie with the camcorder. Oh my god. In a theater. That movie made I it was terrible. I enjoyed it when it came out. It was it, it's a movie of its time. Talk about blue balls. Oh, I mean, like, I loved the movie when it first came out because I was a big, like, J.J. Abrams fan and all that stuff. Oh, man. I literally got to the end. I was like, you fucking kidding me? Can I tell you, Cloverfield, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane was a much better movie. Yeah, much better. John Goodman being a psychopath. Welcome to $2 Steak, a pro wrestling podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Varnum. Joining me today, as always, the flea market maestro, Cookie. Yes, sir. Big Mike, yes, sir. And uh, Tolbert, Tolbert, anything Woo. happened over the, uh, the the two week period that we had uh, going on? Anything in particular? No, nah, I mean it was a relatively uneventful Christmas. You know, we laid low, had a baby, um, and <laughs> you know that's about you it. Had a baby? <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Miss Ava Rowe, she was born at eight forty on Christmas Eve night. So decided she was going to steal the show for the holidays. Uh, we were supposed to be induced the following Monday and thought we were going to have like a nice, quiet Christmas at home. She had other plans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, we spent Christmas Eve and Christmas in the hospital. Um, 
my wife Katie did amazing. She went through an 18 hour labor. Um, it was uh, quite the experience I'll never forget, but she was born happy and healthy, eyes wide open, pooping as soon as she came out of the womb, screaming and pooping everywhere. <laughs> uh, when, when Ava Rowe finally uh, emerged, did Inter Sandman play and did she come out with a kiddo <laughs> stick no, and a cigarette I, in her I mouth? Snuck, so we had a playlist going and I did sneak some Ozzy on there and uh, I was hoping she would she, she started to crown just as Mama I'm Coming Home is playing by Ozzy Osbourne. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, times will change. I was like, please. I was like, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming home. So um, she came out shortly after that. So she almost came out the Aussie, but not quite. Nice. <laughs> what did she come out to? Did she have a, a push song? Um, no, we, we had a, a various playlist of all kinds of songs. The nurse even made a comment that every time she comes into the room, there's a different genre of music playing. Um from uh, i mean we had some stoner metal on there we had some wind hand we you, had some, you played uh, you made katie listen to to sleep no there was no sleep on on the soundtrack but there was some wind hand which is a little more witchier oh i know wind hand. Yeah. yeah oh yeah and she actually put that on there i was very proud i was like i was surprised i was like ooh, little little stoner metal baby coming maybe, out maybe it was gonna just like maybe she hated it and it's just gonna be like a hate push song <laughs> <laughs> You know what would have been very, very appropriate would have been a Guar song with all the blood and uh, like excrement and all this stuff yeah, yeah. happening. It was very reminiscent of a Guar show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not get sprayed with anything, though. Okay, um, that came later after I brought the baby home. I, I've been pooped on. I've been peed on. She she likes to fart right in my face when I'm changing diapers. Oh, um, boy. It is a, a a child after you. You can tell there's <laughs> shared DNA yes, between yes, the two. Yes. And she she is a little night owl like her father. Uh, she's afraid she's going to miss out on something when the sun sets. Um, she likes to stay up all night long and sleep all day. So just <laughs> just like her daddy. So there you go. So so the baby uh, has has it changed your outlook here in life? Have have you do you feel different now that you have? This I feel child? much different. I don't know why Mike would do this twice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> because because right around the, like they start getting easy when, when they start sleeping through the night. And you're like oh, I could do this again. <laughs> no, but it, it definitely has. Uh, yeah, it, it changes everything, man. You get uh, your your protective senses heightened. I've had some weird, weird, very realistic dreams about animals attacking me in the house and me fending them <laughs> off. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's very weird. <laughs> Tolbert, uh, did you find any? <laughs> Have you been microdosing before you go to bed? <laughs> no. There's been a serious uh, uh, drop off and in intake of any substances in my life. <laughs> really oh yeah dude you ain't got time for that because <laughs> <laughs> i know i know like with your anxiety and everything like that would heighten it a little bit more into an uncomfortable place where you're like i gotta i, ga I gotta just do this i gotta stay sober well sometimes you're just so sleep deprived um it's it's like uh all, all the endorphins and everything. It, it's a drug all of its own, Barnum. <laughs> uh, you, you gotta, and, and I watched Made on Netflix this week. Ooh, good Jasmine movie. We watched that last it. week. It's a good show. Uh, you gotta sleep when the baby's sleeping. 
is course. what I learned from that show. We try, but um, I don't know if she's, you know, in a past life, she worked in like a Vietnam prisoner camp, you know, where, you know, they wake you up. They won't let you sleep as a form of torture. <laughs> so every time yeah, you doze that's off. That's the biggest hawk of bullshit ever. <laughs> sleep when the baby sleeps. Really? Yeah. It's like, when the fuck else are you going to get anything done? That's exactly. true. Yeah, like, I, I have, uh, that's such utter bullshit from people that just probably have really good kids who never had to worry about that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I've been when she sleeps, I try to catch up on chores around the house and I just go till I have to pass out. <laughs> but my mom's oh, been here. My mom's been a huge help. Uh, so we've had family and, and friends helping out, bringing us stuff and, you know, switching off so we, we can get some sleep and stuff like that. So we've had a lot of help. It's been amazing. We are very happy to, to finally hear about this. Uh, I, we took two weeks off. I wanted to give you bonding time. And oh, I also wanted bonded. time for bonding myself. I got a new PlayStation 5, so I was bonding <laughs> with that a little bit uh, as well. So um, I, I just want you to know that we are so excited for everything that is going to happen the next <laughs> 50 years of your life. <laughs> Wait, I'm doing the math. Well, we'll say 30 years. Jesus. <laughs> You're only giving me 30 more years? All the intake of, uh, of, of substances and Gen X, you know. Oh, and so I did get a reverse osmosis system installed in my house this week. So that should extend my life at least a couple of years. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm probably going to be a little bit before you then because I've been neti potting with Gen X water my entire life. So, oh, dude, you've got mutated brain amoebas. Yeah, that's right. Um, so how is that uh, reverse osmosis? Jasmine is, is trying notch. to get us to get one as well. Top notch, pure water solutions. They come came right in 400 bucks. They install it and you got fresh water. Is that is that whole house or is that just kitchen? That's just kitchen. So, so when you're, you're in the shower, it's like you're, you're on a trip to Mexico. You got to plug your nose. You yeah, yeah. Gotta, don't you can't don't get let it get in your mouth. Don't let it get in your mouth and your nose. All right. <laughs> Tober, we're going to move on. Cookie, whoa, how whoa, is whoa, your... Whoa, yes. whoa, whoa. Hold on. I have a question for Tober. A yeah, serious question. You know? Serious question. How does it work? You have a Christmas baby now. Uh-huh. Do you have to give them double gifts? Yeah, so everyone's everyone's been saying that. Everyone's like, well, you know, Mike gave me the idea to hide birthday presents and right. distribute them from throughout the year, which is beautiful mm. advice. Um, you know, my brother was born a week before Christmas, um, and he demanded birthdays and separate presents. So I have a feeling this one's gonna do the same thing. You have but, to you have to separate it out because they do need their own individual day. You may, so you guys will be making Christmas Eve very specific to Ava, and then you have Christmas. It's course, it's easy course. to differentiate. And I've already vowed to do that. So we will have yeah. uh, her her first birthday is gonna be on Christmas Eve. I'm already planning the Christmas Eve party. Tobert's um, not gonna be a <laughs> shitty father. We know he can pull this off. Yes. So uh, I have heard uh, also in the past that you can give them a half birthday party. Someone told me this as well, because, you know, being born on the holidays, most of your friends are out of town visiting family and such. So you do it halfway through the year where they actually hang out with their friends. Dude, right. So that would be July, a June or June 24th. And now, and now that Varnum has a season pass to Jungle Rapids. I have a season pass. Oh, I can yeah. get you guys in if you need to. We can take the kids. To Jungle Rapids. <laughs> we'll jungle that. Rapids over break with Elliot. Oh, yeah. did you enjoy it? It was okay. It's not the worst, <laughs> not the best. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't go wow. now with the Omicron. 
Omicron. Uh, Mike, that explains every Jungle Rapids experience. (laughs) Wasn't the worst. Not the best. I spent $20 and I got a bouncy ball and a pack of Smarties. And and my fingers are stuck in this goddamn Chinese trap. Uh, Cookie, how was your uh, two-week vacation? Uh, did, Did you get burnt up in Colorado? Burnt up? No, I could not get burnt up because there's too much goddamn snow. All right. There's been snow for the past two weeks um, just sitting on the ground. All right. And, uh, you know, originally I was like, I love the snow. I love it so much. <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck. The, the fuck are you snow. <laughs> Trying to get this ice off your goddamn windshield. <laughs> the pain in the ass. Yeah, you got to get a, what, what get you an automatic do, car starter. Yeah. What you want to do, Cookie, you want to get the water as hot as you can yeah and throw it on your windshield really no, really fast please don't yeah. cookie, really fast, cookie, yeah. cookie I, I know that, that 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 you would probably not try that but please here's here's the tip cookie you want to boil it <laughs> so cookie five to ten minutes feels like an eternity when you're sitting in a freezing car but if you go out there five to ten minutes early and just turn your fucking car on even if you forget to put it on defrost even if you forget to do anything else it will thaw out your windshield enough that it's nice and easy to scrape off right before you get dressed you run out there in your rugby shorts and your 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 wife beater shirt and your flip-flops yeah and you scamper over like this. You run in, you turn the, you, you crank it up, and then you run and you scamper back inside. Now, I will say, if you are going to go that route, have a brush on hand in the house. So that way, say you get a lot of snow on your car, you do not get the classic open door, six inches of snow falls in on your driver's mm. seat that then mm. melts. So you got you to be careful about mm. that. You want to brush the door off. Very door smart. frame off before opening said door. There you gotcha. go. That, this, this is tips from a man from the Midwest. I love that because yeah. you get more snow, obviously. Than we he did. Do. I he he lives in. I live in Wilmington. North I live at the beach now because I ain't a fucking yeah. idiot. <laughs> I feel that we will be seeing you again very shortly <laughs> after you yeah. graduate. Cookie, are you going to keep after the Quest Love book or not? I'm sticking with the quest love look. I'm digging it, dude. I'm. I wish I could throw my hair out like that. Because no one can braid hair around here. There are no. <laughs> don't trust them, bro. Don't trust them. You just man. just ventured into the depths of Denver and just see what you can find. I real. Yeah, I gotta go real deep into Denver. <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to think. Like, like I find them, man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, it. is there diversity in Denver? Hispanic and white, bro. Hispanic <laughs> and white. That's about it. Really. Is, I mean, yeah. There's no inner city culture there, or or, or anything like that. <laughs> not in Boulder. <laughs> not in, yeah, like in I'm Denver, trying to think if real. like if I've ever heard of like any rap groups or anything coming from from Denver, <laughs> and it's like, no. Who's the, who do you know that is from like Bobby Lashley's from Denver? That's the only person I know is from Denver. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why he's bald. He just gave up. Couldn't find anybody to braid his hair. Is that why he talked? He probably about could it? grow his hair out. <laughs> Poor Bobby Lashley. He, I didn't realize he was from Denver. Yeah. He's yeah, from, he's from Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> um, and then also, Aaron, I got ordained. Got ordained. Nice. I'm a minister cookie now. All Dude. right. Um, Master uh, cookie. Master cookie. Yeah. So does I had an officiated wedding. How, how often do you have to, like, re-up this? Oh, I don't know. Is that a I national thing or just a Colorado thing? 
It's just a it's just a North Carolina thing. I'm I'm uh, officiating a wedding for Bobby. Oh dang! Could come down here and just marry everybody. So so yeah. are are you saying that you're going to marry? Uh, could could you marry a fellow podcast person? Absolutely. All right. So so say that you were to do this, <laughs> Cookie. Make sure you get him to pay for your flight. Yeah, absolutely. And you have so to do it in like the the biggest Stacy Adams suit like ever, like <laughs> this classic, classic black creature. It's got to be like a color that like nobody would want, to, like not match anybody. It's like lavender. It's be plum. It's like the the referee at a rugby game. Got to yeah. make sure he doesn't look like anybody else. A plum uh, suit for me. If this true Stacey Adams is going to have a little crocodile skin going down the side of it, that's, that's a it. true Stacey Adams. We, we will pay for your suit and your flight. There's <laughs> that place in the mall. I bet you can get a fire suit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. Make sure you don't get it. Tailored, though. Yeah, yeah you got, it's got to be it's got to be off hanging the, down off the rack, hanging down. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to ask you to, to give us a little message as well, like a like a little sermon before before you marry. You got to slip as many wrestling references in. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and a true black creature fashion, no matter what the occasion, you have to try to save at least a few souls. You got to have oh, an altar call. I bet there's going to be I bet Aaron's brother's got an uh, electric piano. <laughs> he does. There's going to be a point where I just, like, where I just like, bring okay. people down. <laughs> yeah, before we get started, we're going to need some baptism. Hey, hey, I bet that, that shit would be popping off, man. That'd be hilarious. And, 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 and great. Cookie, I, if you're the preacher, <laughs> I just don't want people like if, if we're doing the bachelor party thing, they're going to be like, your preacher got more fucked up than anybody else did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise be, man. <laughs> your preacher had a stripper <laughs> doing God knows what. God bless. God bless. God, but he was trying to save her. He was saving, saving souls and saving holes. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Mike. Hey, uh, hey, Aaron, I, have one, I have one request. Can I come down to Godfather's theme music? <laughs> <laughs> you come out with a row of hoes with you. Uh, yeah, Cookie's going to have a hoe train. Uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Mike, uh, anything over the last two weeks? Two weeks. Now I just had some you know, great holidays. I was up in Ohio for Christmas. Got to hang out with the family. Gotcha. How was how was uh, the COVID and everything in Ohio? It looked like it was like, oh, it's been terrible there since like it ever started. Yeah. So, you know, it's like we went up there, got, you know, we had our we're fully vaccinated, got the natural booster, got the the, the booster, too. the yeah. booster, booster right before we went. So we, you know, we felt like we had put on our armor and we we're ready to go. Right. Um, <laughs> Your armor of God. We, uh, yeah, we, you know, braved the cold. Um, everything went really smooth and then on the way back you know hit some traffic find ourselves in the dark on a back road in virginia hit a fucking deer oh no not a deer yeah my wife took it like a champ like she what day what what, did you tell your kids it was uh it was a reindeer luckily hudson was asleep (laughs) elliot had his headphones on and tab eyes on tablets so he didn't see poor bambi just get obliterated and, and it was like it was she Again, Amanda crushed it. You know, some, you worry about people swerving, all this no, sort of stuff. You got to go through it. You got to go like through it. Like slamming on brakes, all this sort of stuff. And she, as soon as she saw it, she just started coasting, slightly hitting the brakes. And then the deer started, like, ran out, ran parallel. And the deer went like, oh, I guess fuck it. And then went, went in front <laughs> of us. And in our car, 
apparently right where the license plate attaches, there's like about a 16 inch piece of steel. Oh, it destroyed and, it. And Amanda hit that deer broadside. Boom. Right with the license plate. We got a little crack in the bumper, a little crack in the grill, but nothing else. Was there any fur? Oh, fur, fur. Yeah, there was stuff of fur. Mm. The sound, oh, the sound was pretty aggressive. It sounded like Terry Funk's had taken some bumps. Yeah, did, did it make the, 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 no, no, all I heard was ribcage shattering. Oh, God. Um, so visceral. And, uh, heard, well, it was ribcage and bumper. But, uh, yeah, you know, all in all, I, I will also say shout out to my lovely wife. This is the third deer that she has hit. Um, this is the first one that was alive. I think that your your wife could be considered a sociopath at this point, yeah. and she is going towards every day. Is she swerving at the deer? Well, you missed the part where they were the other two were dead on the road. Oh, she hit two dead ones. She's had, yes. hit two dead deer. Um, and did, did they splatter yeah, blood they, and everything? Yeah, they, they, they fucked up the undercarriage of her car oh. both times. Uh, so we would we'd all had always given her crap about it. And then so she finally hit it a live one. Yeah. Which is a little less is a little more active guy, a little more random right. versus a dead deer that you can clearly see in the middle of the road. Yeah. Oh, well, well you know, that's fuck him up, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, you know, good New Year's had some people over outside, play a little cornhole. It was nice. It's really warm. Uh, yeah, it was it was warm. And then yesterday, the, the past couple of days have actually been a little chilly. Um. It, it was it has been nice here uh, over over the holidays. I got to do my, my holiday thing, uh, got to go visit my family on New, uh, on on Christmas Eve. That's that's kind of our, our thing now. Christmas Eve, Jasmine and I go see my family. And then on Christmas, we go visit Jasmine's family and we do the cookout sort of stuff. We had a uh, duck. Uh, Derek made us duck. He, made, he did not make his macaroni and cheese. I was kind of pissed about that. Uh, so we, we had some delicious ham, some some duck, some good food. And uh, it, it was a good experience over the uh, the holiday. Uh, anything else? I'm trying to think like if, if I had any other stories. I've got one story that I cannot tell, uh, but uh, that was it was there. Wait, can you tell it, but just take out any identifying factors? Uh, I ate something. I went to the moon and I was, Oh, I know the story. This is why you need to label things better. <laughs> yeah. So I ate something, thought that it was going to be fine because it was the legal uh, version of it. And, uh, it was not fine. I was playing a video game and all of a sudden I'm playing and in the middle of the video game, I, Jasmine's in the shower and I, I look at the video game and I say, this is not fine. <laughs> and I get up and I start rubbing my head. Like, like I, I know when I'm about to have a panic attack is when I start rubbing my head and I can't stop. And Jasmine's like, babe, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I am not okay. So she, she, <laughs> I started pacing in the house and Terry's like, what the fuck's going on? I ended up having to, to sit on the bed. Jasmine made me lay down uh, with a cold washcloth on my head, and we had to watch the Great British Bake Off for multiple hours just to feel okay. I bet you're doing it. So, Barnum. Right? So, so what, Barnum, what was that, Talbert? Next time this happens, you, you take a few, you take two or three black peppercorns, whole black peppercorns, you put them in your mouth, and you chew them, and it will take away your anxiety and paranoia. 
I, is that science or is that bullshit? Is it? That's, there's science to it. So the terpenes and the peppercorn do something to take your mind off what's going on. Okay, I will. We today we will buy some peppercorn. We keep them on hand next to your uh, your Delta Eight. So Cookie, he was having this conversation on the group chat, and I was trying to talk him through it, thinking it was uh, the real deal. And he's like, "Yeah, I eat some Delta, whatever." I'm like, "Oh, you." Uh, this conversation's over. <laughs> oh, okay. I All did right. not know. So but you'll I, be fine. <laughs> I yeah. ate it, and I, it it just was a different experience than what I had had before. And I yeah, I I talked to my therapist about it the, day, oh. the, the week after. It was it so my being, uh, my personal theory. All these shops selling Delta Eight or whatever it is around town. I think they're just selling weed. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely felt like very strong. Um, yeah, stuff. <laughs> I I can't really talk about like what it was, but yeah, it was it was an experience that I that I'm happy to be over with. Um, the next day. I did get my PlayStation Five in. Some kid is still crying somewhere that did not get a PlayStation. Some kid, play. well, that kid should have gotten a fucking smartphone with a an alert, a stocking alert app like I did, and and jump on it when I did. So I got that. Got my video games. I walked into a GameStop for the first time in ten years. It feels like. And it was like I never left. The guy tried to upsell me on everything. Tried to get me to <laughs> get a magazine. And then also tried to get me to pre-order stuff. I'm like, I, I just want to go home and play these games. Yeah. Can, can you stop? But I've been enjoying the, uh, the PlayStation 5 life. It, it is interesting. So, so today uh, we're talking about, uh, so, so we've been doing the word game. And uh, I decided to just kind of start fresh. I, I believe that six uh, was our, uh, our end of 2021 palate cleanser palate cleanser sean waltman was our palate cleanser and now that we are starting back 2022 jasmine was like uh so what what theme are you gonna do and i'm like babe i don't know i i I don't know and then all of a sudden i came up i'm like you know what we haven't done one in a few months a good terry funk episode to kick off 2022 and also our brand new season of the show. I think this is season whatever, right? We're going by year. I don't know, man. I'm just saying bullshit. <laughs> this be year three. I was, I was, I was going to say, don't we wait till WrestleMania and then that's like the. No, I don't know. We, we... <laughs> whatever. Fuck WrestleMania. I shit about that. Yeah, we don't, we don't care about WWE anymore. Yes, we sir. will watch the Royal Rumble and put money on the 100% Royal Rumble. 100% if they have 30 people that they're going to put. Yes. In. Yes. All right. Cool. We will do, still bet on the Royal Rumble. Love it. I'm, I'm just letting you know. We're still betting on the Royal Rumble. It's coming up, isn't it? It's the 23rd. It's Nine. the day. No, it's the 29th. It's the week after FTR against the Rock and Roll Express, which I cannot wait to talk to you guys about. It's going to be the most incredible matchup in the history of mankind. Are we going to Spartanburg? I, I am, if you guys would like to come along. I want to go to Spartanburg. <laughs> okay. Let's go see the Rock and Roll Express against I'm, FTR. I'm down. Yeah, road trip. There we go. Let's see where Omicron is. Omicron. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's talk about some Terry Funk. I'm very excited about our three matches today. One of the matches is my... Probably in the top three of my all-time favorite Terry Funk matches. Uh, Tobert, you got it. Yes, Cookie. Oh, oh it wasn't mine? No. <laughs> no, it was not yours. No, no, no. <clears throat> it was not yours. 
Uh, it is definitely Tolbert's match, and I've got some stories to tell about when I saw that match for the first time watching it live. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some Terry Funk. For our first matchup of the evening, Mike, I know you like him. Uh, I got you a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I originally was going to give you the match that I gave Tolbert, and then I said 30 minutes, he's going to piss all over it. Uh, <laughs> Mike, you have got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat against Terry Funk. Shit does happen when it gets that long. Um, <clears throat> all right, Terry Funk, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, WCW, June 14th, 1989. Mike was just but a wee little child at this point. Yeah, I was too. Yeah, I was three. Tolbert, a little bit older, had the chance. He could have seen this live because it was at the Ritz Epps Center in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Wow. So, yeah, they did a lot of shows on base that I did not get to see because they were on base so far away, and I was young. So, um, so it, yes, with they, it came, being they came on to base, Fort Bragg a lot. When it was on base, Tolbert, were civilians allowed to go? Yes, at that time, yes. You just have to show ID. So um, this, I, I forget that there was a time pre-2001. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pre-9-11. Right. You yeah. can literally just walk onto <laughs> yeah. the base back in the day. <clears throat> anyway, we got Jim Ross. Is that Bob Backlund on the mic? Who is that? Jim. Oh, shit. Now that you ask me. No, no, Bob Cottle. Bob, Bob Cottle. Cottle. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Former WRAL weatherman. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So it's Jim Ross and Bob. Um, this is a top 10 ranking bout. Um, currently, Terry Funk is the number 10 contender for the World Heavyweight Championship. Ricky Steamboat in a contested ranking system is the number one contender. Luger is second. Sting is third. Sets the ground floor for this match a little bit. Um, I just want to say, and Aaron has, was giving me crap the other day about it, but I will continue to stand my ground that TBS under – Undercase letters is just a weak, weak, weak name and <clears throat> graphic for AEW. And it really annoys me. Turner Broadcast System, there is nothing wrong. They should refer it back to the Superstation because they dropped the Superstation name at least a half a dozen times at the start of this match. It was the Superstation in, uh, I guess, yeah, now. now Superstation they... sounds strong. Let's keep, let's get back to that All kind right. of trend. The Superstation. Um. But match starts, and, and I imagine we're, we're just like rolling up to a, a dinner in a nice fancy steakhouse, and uh, the, we walk in, and the hostess goes, welcome to Ricky's Chop House. <laughs> <laughs> we're serving chops to the chest, and on special, we have chops to the face. And because that's how this match starts. It's about 30 chops by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, yes. two Terry Funk's ch chest and face. That's right. Um, classic... Um, funk flop coming up he takes a um drop kick to the chest which jim ross calls perfectly he said kicked him right out of his double cross boots mm. and terry flops to the floor on, on outside the ring and it's just it was classic steamboat classic funk classic jim ross and it like brought a little like it was like a little like warmth to my heart i i, I i would have loved to have been at fort bragg it's like professional wrestling yeah, it's fine it's the best um we get a second flump flop, funk flop, funk flop outside the ring. Um, I did not quite understand this or why he did it, but Ricky picks him up over his shoulder. Like he's going to do like 
one of those yeets into the corner post. And instead, Ricky just like walks the entire length of the ring outside um, and then hits him uh, with a little power slam. Crowd loved it. I was a little confused by it. Uh, you can tell Ricky was gassed after it because <laughs> there's no weight. Like he's just dead weight at that point. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, it's a classic match between goats in professional wrestling for what they do and who they are and how they work. It, it, and, and you, you bring up the word goats and, and I really do think, I truly believe that Ricky, the dragon steamboat is one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. He, he's incredible. Everything he does. He, he's almost like a Daniel Bryan, very technical, very smooth. Everything just comes together. So, yes, he is one of the goats of all time. When goats, you talk goats, goats of all time is like saying ATM machine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Goats. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was redundant. I get it now. <laughs> uh, but, but when you're talking about Terry Funk, he brings a different kind of style to it. His is more um, visual there. there It's not as smooth, but it's more, I, I totally believe that it's. Yeah. Like you said, it's visual. It's, it's believable. It's borderline flamboyant, but again, it's believable and it's just animated and it, it draws you in to what's going on. And, and it makes a simple move look big when he's just kind of like, Sah! and then he falls out of the ring. Um, and, and nobody can tell me that his wobbly leg is not one of the greatest wobbly. I legs think it's better. I think it's better than flair. It's incredible. It's just, it's just great. It's, it's phenomenal. Um, classic ref bump occurs. We get it. The uh, Ricky goes for an Irish whip. Terry reverses it. And then Ricky reverses the revert. It actually looked really, really powerful and really cool to look at. Cause you're like, sometimes you're like, why isn't, why don't they just not run the Irish whip? Like, right. And so it was like this, like chain of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then um, somebody hits the ref. Of course he, you know, Nick Patrick took a big bump. Damn near knocked out. Oh. And uh, Funk seizes the opportunity. Um, gets Steamboat outside the ring. Booze are raining down on Terry Funk. He hits a pile driver on the outside. This is actually the second pile driver that he hit in like the, the last three minutes. Um, Steamboat doesn't know where the fuck he is. Uh, Terry Funk gets him, slides him into the ring. <clears throat> Classic gets him pinned. Referee's like out of it. Probably took some Delta eight or something. Doesn't <laughs> know what the fuck's going on. I, I do love that Terry tries like, you, you don't see it a lot. Like a lot of times the wrestler, when, when the referee is down, just kind of waits for him. Yeah. Like Terry Funk, like literally tries to wake like, him up yeah. multiple sir, times. Sir, sir, I'm trying to win this match. <laughs> um, and we get the one, two. And then what I like about this, and I don't think guys do it enough today. It's the one, two. All right, Ricky kicked out, but you just expended a bunch of energy. You almost got him beat. Let me just fucking hold that pin down a little bit more. And Ricky's kickouts are not like the traditional, like, oh, it's like yeah. a huge thing. He looks exhausted, too, yeah. in his kickouts. So what's Terry do? Locks him back up, rolls into it again, and tries to get the three count. Now, he, Ricky does kick out again, but it brings that realism to it because, yeah, why not? Like, they talk about how exhausted guys are after they kick out. It's like, well, fuck, like, I just hit him with two pile drivers. I'm not that tired. He's clearly tired. Let's try it again. So looked great. This is where uh, Funk makes just a, a brutal error. <laughs> Terry Funk tries to go for a fucking frog splash. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Terry yes. Funk 
As soon as I see Terry Funk start climbing the ring post, I just go, no, Terry, no, <laughs> don't do it. It's 1989. You're in your 40s. You don't need to do this. No. And he goes for a frog splash. Um, he does not, you know, if Eddie Guerrero is a 10, this was at least a tube, not a three, though. Yeah, um, I could see it. Too. He did not get fully extended. He 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 just looked. It looked rough. It looked like an old white guy trying to hit a frog splash. Up until about 50, his his uh, old adage, he was a no flips, just fist guy. If, if you if you watch a Terry Funk match and then somehow he, he put the the, uh, no, the moonsault in, into his. Fuck his it. We're going to do it. And uh, so he goes for the frog splash. Steamboat gets the knees up. And then I love this again because the, these guys are the greatest of all time. Terry Funk sells the knee spot for the rest of the match. Now, it's not a long match after this, but. Like he's like bent over and then Steamboat hits an Irish whip and like just guts, gut shots Terry. And he's like literally stumbling everywhere he can. At one point he takes this bump and he lands on the announcer's table. And this is back when the announcer's table abutted the ring. And um, so Bob, whoever the weatherman was, cattle, um, is, is flustered by this. You Jim, can Jim, tell he's Jim, legitimately Jim Ross, annoyed. Jim Ross is like, okay, let's see where this is going. And I'm sure they like, told him what was about to happen like before but bob cottle is clearly flustered and in a non in a fully like shoot not worked legitimate thing he's going no 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 please don't please don't like to terry because terry's like fumbling around with all their shit <laughs> he throws his jacket <laughs> off the table and he's like no 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 please don't please don't and uh and finally terry finds the work prop mic right. <laughs> and um gets to the corner hits steamboat with it gets the dq um and and it's I, I got a big old chuckle because like partly as I don't know does Terry is Terry purposely fucking with this guy oh probably did, yeah, yeah, yeah did he like did he know um, Jim Ross was loving every bit of it you could just tell um, DQ finish Luger then runs out um, Luger apparently was supposed to be on commentary but he wasn't there because he was upset because he by doesn't the, speak English by the ranking system <laughs> he was upset that he was ranked number two and Steamboat was number one. Um, Flair currently held the title, I believe. And uh, Saluger runs in with a chair, scares Terry away, cuts a little bit of a promo. Not great. Well, not great because of his words and not great because he wasn't looking at the hard cam. He was looking <laughs> sideways. Because he's I, an idiot. And you can see Steamboat try to be like, hey, dude, over there. Hey, dude, that's the hard cam. And like Luger's he's just pointing. not having any. He's literally pointing to he's, the, yeah, he's the like, hard cam. Like, that, go that way. And uh, Luger, done, he's trying to remember what the fuck he was trying to say. But Luger helps Steamboat up and then classic gets the chair and goes after Steamboat again. Crowd goes bonkers for this. Shrieks are heard in the stand. Booze come down at him because he's just healing it up. Um, eventually, Sting comes in. The number three contender who's apparently friends with Ricky Steamboat comes in and kind of, you know, soothes it all out. Great match. Surfer Sting. Yeah, Surfer Sting. Great match. Um, again, it's always nice to watch guys at the peak of their, you know, professionalism put on, even if it's just a Fort Bragg, whatever show Saturday, whatever the fuck, it was really nice to watch. It was good. I will say Jim Ross, obviously the greatest play-by-play commentator of all ever. Time. Yeah. And when it comes to professional wrestling, he's, this is like him either like coming into probably like coming into his heyday. Yeah. Um, He's phenomenal. He's he's so fast. He's sharp. Like everything he says has purpose. He gives great detail. 
full of insights, keeps it kayfabe. Like at one point in early in the match, Terry's like hitting Steamboat with right fist and, and, and Jim Ross without missing a beat goes, don't forget he's a Southpaw. And then Terry comes in and just hammers him with a left. Um, it was just, I was like, God damn like this, like, and, it, and it's sad because everybody's like, Oh man, like Jim Ross, they get him off TV. He he's sucks, still blah, blah, blah. good. He, he's still great in those big moments. And he, and he clearly can't, he doesn't have the speed to like do the play by play anymore. Um, and I think that, and I don't think that it's because wrestling has changed. He's never been a guy that calls moves. He, he's a guy he'll call like a smattering of moves, yeah. but he's more about the emotional storytelling of the match. And, and just like, I, I like when announcers kayfabe up things like when they, you know, when something happens that might not have been perfect or they don't hit the match, the you know, move all the way. They're like, Oh, he didn't get all of it. Like it might, it might come back to bite him or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Jim Ross, like in the eighties, nineties, it was just just on another level up with it. So shout out to him. Um, I also like that this entire match almost was completely based off of the ranking system. Yes. I like that AEW does it because it gives you some semblance of an idea of what's going to be happening in the future, what can happen in the future versus just this hodgepodge grab bag of what fucking random match are we going to do with these two wrestlers 50 times week, in a row this week. And it's just, it's, it just makes so much fucking sense long term to like let me know like oh hey you know this guy's ranked number three like he might get a shot eventually or he's gonna wrestle somebody big to get that you know move up so I know I, I like that the whole storyline based on this match was the rankings so I feel it's a much more logical approach and a more sports based approach that kind of sets AEW apart from WWE well, yeah cause, again because just because so, you know where the fuck people stand I don't know. Just makes sense. Anything else, man? Nah, that's it. All right, for the, uh, I guess you would call it strong style this week, uh, Cookie, you have gotten one Bret Hart against Terry Funk. Um, you know, Aaron, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna gimmick and fringe. So, uh, do you mind telling the people at home when this match took place? Uh, WCW, uh, 2000. Yes. Thank you. All right. When did Brett become world champion? Question mark. I'm not. Go ahead. Oh, wait. So, no, you go ahead. You go ahead, Cookie. I've got some, some things I need to add to this as well. Go ahead. Please do, because I need some, I need some background knowledge. Yeah, because uh, I thought Goldberg ended his career in the '90s, and that was it. I thought he was done in like '98. So I was going to talk to you about this. Ah, uh, okay. And Terry Funk is the commissioner at this point <laughs> of WCW. <laughs> that, that threw me for a loop. Apparently, he'd only been commissioner in like for a week. 70, 72 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What is happening?" Things I didn't know. Bret Hart is still a part of the NWO at this time. Okay. Who booked this crap? I haven't made it this far in my WCW journey, Aaron. I'm still in 98. And maybe I should quit while I'm ahead because Goldberg is still champion at this point. And there's still some resemblance of respect for WCW. Yeah. So this was after the, the infamous Goldberg incident. So you can definitely tell that Bret Hart was not peak Bret Hart. Uh, and that kind of leads to a lot of the matches, a lot of the match 
relying on Terry Funk to do the bumps. Mm. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That does make sense. That makes a lot of sense now. Okay. So he still wrestled after that head injury that he had, right? Very sporadically. He became the champion, so he had to have wrestled quite often, correct? Or I, I guess I, I think that it was I'm I'm looking it up and it's like Yeah, this he had one more match after this. Jesus Christ, that's so sad. Well, um, still, I'm going to give him his introduction no matter what. Middle-aged and crazy Terry Funk, one of our favorites here on the podcast versus the excellence of execution. The best there is, best there was, best there ever will be Dax Harwood's favorite wrestler and one of my favorite wrestlers, Bret Hart. So let's go ahead and get to the countdown. Cookies, top four, number one. What in the hell was WCW thinking in 2000? Brett the Hitman Hart is wearing jean shorts, people. Jean shorts. Jorts. He's wearing jorts. The NWO is still alive. Terry Funk has to face Kevin Nash in three days. And if Terry wins, the NWO disbands. But if (laughs) Kevin Nash wins, he becomes the commissioner. Everyone's forced to hear Wolf Pack in the house every night. And who the hell is on commentary, Aaron? What the hell is going on in WCW in 2000? Uh, I think that was the guy that was the voice of Tony the Tiger was one of them. I, I, yeah. I don't remember who the other one was. Uh, is, yeah, it wasn't great. No wonder WCW fell through. This is getting ridiculous. Just, okay, minus one cookie. No doubt about it. Number two. It took Terry approximately 30 seconds to start throwing chairs in the ring. But the one that made me chuckle the most, Aaron, and I hope you saw this, is the one that he threw in the ring that did not clear the top rope that fell perfectly open Yes. after it hits the top rope. And Terry no-sells it. He (laughs) no-sells the whole thing. It just gets in the ring. Plus three cookies. You could tell that he like looked at it like he was gonna. He's like, should I throw it again? He's, he's like, oh. He just okay. he just ignored it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I want to give this two cookies so bad, but the fact that I'm talking about a chair in the top four gets <laughs> minus one cookie. That's no! how bad was. So that's oh. a net one then, right? Yeah, it's a net one. It really is. It's a net one. All right, number three. Now. You just explained to me what I thought was going on. So, you know, Bret Hart is coming from this head injury that he sustained. Again, from Goldberg, not going to let him slide for that. But you talk about an ugly bump that was just unnecessary. Um, It was that bump where he was uh, was in that, I guess, cart full of weapons. (laughs) You know, Terry Terry Funk and him were just, you know, just, you know, just throwing fisticuffs back and forth outside of the ring. Um, not not too much action that was you know going on in this match. Like I said, uh, a lot of chair bumps. Terry Terry Funk, who's fifty or sixty years old, is taking a lot of these bumps, which is scratching. Scratching Let me my do head. The math. If he was sixty-one in two thousand six, sixty-one minus 55. six, so he was fifty-five at the time. Fifty-five taking taking chair bumps to the head. I yeah, I was a little appalled by that, but um. Anyway, so the match is going on on the outside, and we get to this cart full of weapons, and Terry, doing Terry things, throws Bret Hart into the cart, and then 
he decides to push the cart towards the ring. And I always have thought about this, but wrestlers don't think about this, I guess, because they take the cart and they push it towards the mat and they think that it's going to clear the mat and it never does. And of course, it gets hung up on the mat and Bret Hart falls on the back of his head. <laughs> yeah, the other issue with the laundry cart, which Terry probably doesn't know, is that only two of the wheels swivel. So I've pushed a lot of those in my day. <laughs> and uh, Did he grab the wrong cart, the wrong end? No, but he, I think he tried to push it from the center at like the horizontal at, like point. And yeah, it, yeah. yeah it's not going to work because yeah. two of those wheels are facing forward. I can see that. So then I think he realized it a little bit, but I think he, he turned, I don't know, he tried to steer it with the wrong wheels. And if you try to rear steer or front steer, if you try to front steer or rear steer, it ain't working. Um, but yeah, that was that looked pretty like like you said unnecessary. Very, yes. very. And so I obviously I have to give this minus one cookie because oh. I like Bret Hart. I, I was like, this might have been his last match. And talk about goats. We're not yeah. doing so good. Yeah, not not so much. Uh, I'm gonna go to my honorable mentions before I get to number four because yeah. Anyway, uh, some of my favorite signs in the crowd. Scott Hall made wrestling. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know about that, but yeah, sure. Scott Hall made a drink. That's all he made. <laughs> <laughs> um, LRB North Carolina. That was it. That was the whole entire sign. Do you know? Or, do you know the, the significance of LRB North Carolina? I do. I looked it up. Population one thousand. Also, once the home of Andre the Giant. That's right. He yeah. owns. He owned a farm there, and he is also buried there in Ellerby, North Carolina. When yeah. Tolbert and I were going up to WrestleCade, I really wanted to take a 15-minute detour off of the road to go stop at Andre's grave, but Andre's grave is on private property, so we are not allowed to go there. Ah, uh, damn. Yeah, I did not know that, so it was a fun fact there. Also, slap nuts with two teeth. <laughs> Slap nuts, the, the classic, classic uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, uh, taunt. Yes, and uh, Jeff Jarrett is, he makes an appearance later on in this match, and I didn't realize it, but I was like, oh, okay, this is like that Jeff Jarrett, Scott Steiner era of WCW where it just, the shit hit the fan, basically. Yes. Um, my last one, Drunk Terry Flunk. <laughs> yes, yeah, that, that was my favorite one. <laughs> I was like, yes, if Terry Funk did get drunk, he probably would call himself Terry Flunk. Yes. Uh, anyway, all right, last honorable mention, Terry Funk trying to walk around with a chair still wrapped around his leg is pure comedy gold there. What do you <laughs> <think>? <laughs> uh, Number four. All right, so WCW went under for a reason, people. It's probably because at the climax of this match, featuring the world champion, Bret Hart, and the then commissioner, Terry Funk, they cut to the back in the climax of this match. They cut to the back and show us Arn Anderson putting on a referee shirt. Nope. Just kidding. David Flair. <laughs> David, one David Flair is going to be the referee that comes out and saves this match because, of course, uh, I forget his name, Young Re What do they call him? Um, Baby Flair? Uh, 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 Nate. They called him Nate. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Robinson. Robinson, Robinson. Yeah. Yes, yes. He's the one. He took. He takes a bump. Little he, Nate. He ref. Arn is going to do it. David Flair says, no, don't do that. I'll put the shirt on. Puts the shirt on, 
and then he locks Arn Anderson in his locker room. Is is David Flair a, a crazy person? Is that what he's trying to portray? Is a, I I don't remember. I don't care. I hated David Flair. What I, okay. what I didn't get was the the like cackle he let out well before he was able to get the door locked. So you, yeah, it just totally throws Arn Anderson under the bus because like Arn should just be like, what the fuck, and like walked to the door <laughs> and opened it before. <laughs> exactly. I was. I even wrote that down. I was like, he's making crazy noises while he's trying to. <laughs> You would think that he would have his Glock in his bag that he could just pull on David, right? I, all I know is he cackled. All he had to do was shut the door, and I would have assumed it was locked. Um, all right, you can do that. <laughs> I'll let you lock it. Anyway, you cut back to the ring in the middle of this match once again, and Bret Hart is pinning Terry Funk. What happened? No one knows because we cut back to watch David Flair lock Arn Anderson in the closet. Anyway... Stop me if you've never heard this one before, but the NWO members, Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner, come out to the ring to beat up a non-NWO member. Have you you heard that one before, Aaron? No. Oh, it's like the booking is just, it's just chef's kiss, right? Is that right? Chef's kiss. David Flair, Terry Funk, RIP Daphne. All of them. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, Daphne did do a a run-in too. Yeah. I was I was like, oh my god, it's Daphne, and then of course she's getting beat up by Jeff Jarrett and Scott Steiner as well. So uh, Jeff Jarrett had a baseball bat in his hand. I, this is something that I learned in the comments. He throws. <laughs> Bret Hart's laying on his back, right? Jeff yeah. Jarrett comes in with a baseball bat, hits Terry Funk, throws the bat over his his shoulder. The baseball bat comes down right on Bret Hart's face, and you can see Bret just doing like, oh. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I never noticed that. That he <laughs> Bret Hart was truly the reason, uh, or uh, Jeff Jarrett was truly the reason why Bret Hart uh, could never wrestle again. I, I just want to point this out: is that Bret Hart, in the matter of ten minutes, because this match was only ten minutes long, fell on the back of his head and took a bat to the face. Yes, he should have just stayed in WWF. Yes. <sighs> anyway, David Flair, Terry Funk, R.I.P. Daphne, all of them suffer at the hands of the rest of the NWO. And uh, also Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash makes an appearance. He's on the outside. I guess the Wolfpack doesn't exist anymore. Um, at the end of the melee, Terry Funk gets Jackknife on the stage. And uh, he goes through the stage awkwardly, I might add. I was going to say, he Very didn't awkward. go through it at first. It looked like yeah, it looked like they missed. Terry Funk took way too much. Go- oh. I think this was actually, I, I, I believe it was NWO 2000 was the name of this group. This was NWO 2000. Ah, okay. I've heard things about them. I've heard, okay, okay. Terrible, terrible group. The the, the, the hodgepodge of people. Correct. Um, Yeah, so end of this match. Uh, This match is going to get two cookies. I mean, it's one of those things that's so bad that it's kind of comical. Yes. So, uh, yeah, two cookies is all it's going to get from me. Uh, But I love Terry Funk and Bret Hart, and this should have been a lot better match than it was. Well, and with, with all the, the circumstances surrounding it, you kind of understand why it was such a stinker. A hundred percent. Because probably Kevin Nash was the one who booked the match and did probably. the entire thing. All right, for our main event of the night, one of my favorite matches of all time because I've got such a a close um, 
I, I guess it would be a personal story along with this match. Uh, 2006, I was just kicked out of college, freshly kicked out of college. I uh, was living at home with my parents. I had just enrolled in Cape Fear Community College, trying to get my life back on track. I could not afford pay-per-views because the only income I had coming in was money that I was making helping fellow church members of my parents. I was I was doing uh, yard work for them and helping them do stuff around the house. They were giving me some money from that. That was my income. Could not afford the pay-per-view price. So there was what they used to call, uh, I think they were like blast zones, WWE blast zones. What they would have around town, they would show the WWE pay-per-view. And the closest one to me was the Buffalo Wild Wings right next to the Walmart on Market Street. I was 20 at the time, and a girl in my one of my classes at Cape Fear Community College uh, said, hey, we have the wrestling pay-per-views. You can come watch it there. She knew I was 20, but she served me, right? So I was able to kind of drink and, and, and enjoy the time. I was not like the regular wrestling fan that would order a diet Pepsi and just that was his entire thing. He was just there to watch the pay-per-view. I would order appetizers throughout the entire event, enjoy it, and it was a fun experience. So like it, it was a collective experience. Everybody was yelling at the TV and stuff. So I remember watching this pay-per-view, ECW One Night Stand Part 2, very well. This was a, a pay-per-view and I remember watching this match in a bar full of people and just being so flabbergasted at what I saw that it was just one of those moments in my mind that that just sticks out. So, Tolbert, you have got Terry Funk, Tommy Dreamer, Beulah McGillicuddy against Edge McFoley and Lita. Yes, I just want to say that the One Night Stand pay-per-views um, are the greatest ever filmed to this day. I mean, nothing else compares. I mean, if if you ask me what's your favorite pay-per-view, One Night Stand all the way, dude. I've watched it so many times. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I was looking at the match card for this, and two matches other than this, or three, stood out. Uh, there was a match between Kurt Angle and R Randy Orton in this match yeah. because it was the, the time where WWE was kind of inserting itself into oh, the yeah. ECW product. Yeah. It was a, a good match. And then there was Sabu against Rey Mysterio, which yes. is a match that everybody <laughs> should love and, and enjoy. Yeah. And then the main event, which is one of my favorite, also one of my favorite matches of all time, uh, John Cena against RVD for the championship. And at the end, RVD wins the WWE. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Right. it's amazing. Last time I watched this pay-per-view, I was, I was watching Elliot, Mike's son, like when he was very young. <laughs> I was like, all right, buddy, we're going to watch this pay-per-view. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, at the setting, you're in Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh, it's very intimate. Uh, the ECW has been bought out by WWE. Uh, so the fans have just one more night to celebrate and, and see their favorites and party. So, that I mean, you cannot – you cannot recreate that atmosphere. Uh, never will be able to. It's amazing. Um, we start off with Mick Foley in the ring, 
saying, you know, because Mick Foley used to be, he came up in WCW or ECW. That's how he got his start. So I, I love his promo. He says that he didn't sell out. The only thing he sold out was Madison Square Garden. Uh, <laughs> it's just like chef kiss, you know? And, and, and to give you a little background. So so the reason, the reason why Mick Foley had turned heel, he had just had this match against Edge at WrestleMania. A hardcore match. It was a hardcore match at WrestleMania. Big deal. And at the end of it, he lost to Edge. And it was almost like uh, the, the the syndrome, uh, Munchausen syndrome or whatever. He started to kind of, kind of you, you know, start to develop the things at Edge. He started to pal around with Edge after he lost. So he became this heel because of Edge. Yeah, and he's a great heel. So, so in this corner, you have Edge, you have Mick Foley, and you have Lita. So after uh, Mick Foley's promo, Edge kicks in, starts just, I mean, the, the whole night, which makes us so, the atmosphere so great, all the WWE wrestlers just shit on ECW fans yes. the entire time. <laughs> and yes. they get so much heat. Uh, Edge just talks about how, you know, they never get laid, they're dirty, <laughs> they're stupid that they're going to touch themselves to the vision of his girlfriend, Lita, later on. I probably uh, did, yes. <laughs> it is just, it's just amazing. Uh, and, and what breaks up this promo is, I mean, just to be there live and to see Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer come out together uh, at the same time is just amazing. Uh, so they come out and, you know, they're, they're here to save the day to, uh, you know, do work. Um, I love how right off the bat, it, it's Tommy Dreamer and Mick Foley in the ring together, but he calls out Terry Funk. He's like, no, I want I want the Funker. Give me the Funk. So Terry gives it to him, man. He just starts slapping the shit out of Mick Foley to the point where he's like, I can't take this. Tries to exit the ring where <laughs> Terry just spears him outside of the ring. And it creates this beautiful visual because you have Terry and Mick Foley on one side uh, outside of the ring, and then you have Edge and Tommy Dreamer on the other side outside the ring, just going at each other. It it reminded me of one of my favorite skits. Uh, he He's getting the shit kicked out of him, and I almost think I heard him say, there's too much shit on me. <laughs> I don't, want, I don't want to be around anymore. I don't want to be around anymore. <laughs> oh, by the end of this match, uh, no one wanted to be around anymore because, I mean, just chaos just kicks off. And, and they are beating the shit out of each other, man. I, I know backstage uh, Foley was just like, Terry, give me everything you got. Like, I want you to literally punch me in the face. Uh, and that's what he did, man. They get each other on, on the on the guardrail, man. They're punching each other, slapping the crap out of each other. Um, you have the ladies going at it as well in between, but right off the bat, man, we get, we get a uh, trash can thrown in by Tommy dreamer. We get ladders, we get chairs, uh, not two minutes into the match. I don't know if you noticed Terry Funk does throw an ECW chair. Yes. Uh, and it lands in the front row of the audience while he's beating on McFoley. Yes. So, I mean, you just have a little bit of everything. Um, the ladder comes into play pretty early. Edge sets up the ladder. Um, he gets Tommy Dreamer down, and um, for some reason, Terry just starts climbing the ladder. Like, what? What is he gonna do? What is he planning on doing? I don't know if he's gonna like just dive off on top of Edge from from the outside. Who knows? But he ends up getting pushed over and taking like a like a thirty foot bump. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, at this age, it is insane. Um, we do get a helicopter spot from Terry Funk in the middle <laughs> yes. of the ring. 
where he clears the ring by putting uh, his head through the rung of the ladder and just spinning, spinning, spinning around. Uh, it is great. Uh, at one point, he just jams it into Mick Foley's face as well when he's done. <laughs> um, Dude, I'll, wait, real quick. I'll never forget. There was a video game that came out around this time. It was like SmackDown versus War, whatever. And one of the options was you could put the ladder on your head and do it helicopter style. Yes. And I, did <laughs> I, that I would so spam much. that move. Yeah, I mean, there's so much going on in this match. I mean, we could probably talk like two hours just about breaking down this match. You, you know, I honestly, I feel like this could be a match that we could do a live watch along with, yeah, and course, it could be course. absolutely the most entertaining thing. Yes. So you get uh, you get the crowd. They want tables. They want barbed wire. They're, they're chanting. They want violence. They know who's in the ring. Um, it, it's funny. Every time they go to the curtain and they lift up, the curtain you see like 50 work tables just stacked up under <laughs> yeah. the ring for the night and um at one point you think they're about to pull one out but edge and foley pull out uh a board full of barbed wire ju- just full of barbed wire and they start throwing this thing around they at one point they suplex it onto terry uh they're throwing it all around people are getting caught in it tommy dreamer's ear gets caught in it at yeah one it was point, it was stuck. rough and you, you see Edge getting cut from the barbed wire. Uh, and they're just throwing this thing around all willy-nilly. Uh, and this is right after Edge takes this brutal, brutal hit toss onto a ladder set in the corner. I mean, they are going all out. No punches are pulled. Like, I, I don't think that's work barbed wire <laughs> at all. Everyone's oh, no, it's not. Up. No, Everyone's getting cut up. Um, at one point, we get action. Uh, outside the ring after uh, Terry takes a few bumps with that uh, barbed wire board. And at one point, McFoley just dumps him into the crowd over uh, over the railing and just starts punching him <laughs> as he's just laying in the floor of the crowd. It is amazing visual. He comes out. He's bloody. He's bleeding. Uh, Foley goes right back at it with a fistful of barbed wire, just punching him in the head, just drawing that blood. At one point, he's just bleeding all over the place. You think Foley has taken his eye out uh, with this barbed wire. They show uh, shots of the crowd, people audibly gasping <laughs> and just disgusted. Can I tell uh, you, the- I believed, like, I I, I was kayfabe during that yeah. match. Oh, 100%, man. The first time I saw this, just like, oh, dude, they're, they're just actually they're, they're doing it hard way, man. They're going crazy. The medical staff comes to Terry's uh attention because he's bleeding all over the place he's like oh my god this old man's dying yes and, i thought he, he was dying yeah and at one point you think they he gave the secret signal you know because the medical staff takes him to the back and you're like all right well you know i guess he's just gonna leave the rest of the crew to finish it on their own leave tommy alone uh so tommy continues doing work and you know starts they start to get the upper hand on uh the ecw team because they are outnumbered and then you hear a, a commotion in the distance. You know, some time has passed. You, 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 the cameras revert to uh, just a barbed wire two by four <laughs> bobbing through the crowd. And then it cuts to a bandaged up Terry Funk just bleeding through his bandages. The crowd going wild as he makes his way through the crowd to the ring with this uh, barbed wire two by four. Uh, and he begins to beat the shit out of everybody. He sets it on fire. He beats the crap out of McFoley. At this point, the barbed wire board is set up outside of the ring. 
uh, which Foley ends up going through just a brutal bump. He's on fire from all these flaming hits. Uh, he's smoking. He goes to the barbar. They hit him with the fire extinguishers. Uh, and you can tell Foley is is stuck in this barbar. Yes. He's not moving. Uh, he loses focus. Edge gives him a bump off the curtain, puts uh, uh, Funk right through it. Almost face first into this barbed wire. Yes. So you have you have McFoley and Funk. They just end up in the table together, all entangled. Uh, and just the story it tells, the visuals and everything. And then very poetic. Up, just tangled up together is amazing. Um, I did do some reading. Funk had to be cut out of that barbed wire. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they posted pictures. I remember uh, going on WWE.com later that night, and they post pictures of the aftermath of that match. And it was just atrocious. Like it, it was very, very graphic to see Terry. Yeah. So it leaves Dreamer and Edge, the R-rated superstar, in the ring together with uh, their counterparts, uh, Lita and Beulah McGillicuddy. Um, so they just go out. You see a series of spears. You see Edge get choked out with barbed wire. Tommy Dreamer has him in a chokehold with the barbed wire, also digging into his forehead. So more brutal visuals uh they start going in on the ladies they take some slams uh edge is pretty brutal hands out some of his uh patented spears on everybody uh the match ends with edge pinning beulah mcgillicuddy uh, rather uh suggestively yes <laughs> and that is the match uh not how I thought it was going to end, but but great it just uh amazing uh, five-star classic instant five-star classic I remember and, and it, it just being one of those things that after that match, I had to like go take a breather outside. And it, <laughs> it was just something that that happened throughout that match. And I remember when that DVD came out, I purchased that DVD immediately. And I would try to tell people I'd be like, yeah, you should start watching wrestling. And I'm like, yeah, come watch this match. And I showed them that match. And they're like, I'm never going to watch. <laughs> Why would I watch this? <laughs> Why would I watch? This is absolutely atrocious. Um, if I had to show anybody like one <laughs> pay-per-view, uh, it would be one night stand for sure. And this match, like this, this is wrestling. Uh, the crowd's going wild. You have so many holy shit chants throughout the whole time. Um, yeah, I can't imagine trying to follow this match up. Uh, whoever's going on next. Yeah. <laughs> they ended up having, you know, like the incredible main event too. So like yeah. there was match after match after match throughout that event that just blew the crowd sky high. One, one of my favorite disses though is uh, Edge does uh, call Paul Heyman. He said he can't be Santa Claus, but because uh, he's fat, but he is Jewish. <laughs> and full of bullshit. <laughs> and full of bullshit. <laughs> so their promos are amazing. The match is amazing. Uh just every single moment of this match, there's nothing uh, botched, nothing. It's all, it's perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's hard to take your eyes off of this match. It really is. Like, you, you don't. You just, don't. I just, I appreciated the crowd pop for Terry Funk. I think of the whole match when Terry came back, like the crowd just freaking out about it. I, I yeah. think probably me, brought a, a smile to the old man's. Let me let me right before you do your, your haiku, I'm gonna give you the rest of this card. It opened with Taz defeating Jerry Lawler oh, with yeah. a submission in 35 seconds. <laughs> Kurt Angle defeated Randy Orton. Uh, the FBI, which is little Guido and Tony Mama Luke uh, against Super Crazy and Tajiri. Uh, there was a run-in by the big show who slammed all the tiny guys at the end. Uh, 
there was Rey Mysterio for Sabu ending in a no contest because I think Sabu got really fucked up on one Dude, of those. He spots. just throws himself off. The, that whole match is Sabu just throwing himself off the top rope to the outside. Yeah. yeah. And he got <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> After Definitely. that, we've got Edge McFoley and Lita against Terry, uh, Tommy, and Beulah. So after the, this match was Balls Mahoney against Masato Tanaka, which is... I don't remember that. Yeah, exactly. No one remembers that. That, <laughs> that was me having to go smoke a cigarette outside because I was so stressed out after that. And then finally, we have Rob Van Dam against John Cena. Uh, Tolbert, give me your haiku for one of my favorite matches ever. We want barbed wire. Tables, ladders, chairs will do. Terry lights it up. Yeah, <laughs> he did. <laughs> Terry stole the show. Terry, he, oh, he did. absolutely, absolutely one of my favorite matches. Uh, uh, once again, a a phenomenal episode of Two Dollar Steak. We we get to do our Terry Funk matches. Uh, with, do you guys want to do an Edge uh, week next week? Let's get R rated. You gonna yeah. do R rated or do you want to do? I, I'm not doing a Tommy Dreamer. We've done a Bret Hart. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the Bret Hart episode was the saddest episode we ever did. That was that episode. Uh, that that was the uh, post COVID yeah. like extravaganza that that uh, Kevin yeah. <laughs> from Kentucky says. Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> that was a dark episode. Ebbs and flows, peaks and valleys. And then, uh, oh, so, okay, so our two options are either Ricky Steamboat, which could be an, an incredible technical masterpiece, or we could do one Adam Copeland. Adam Copeland. You, you want to do Edge? I'm curious. I'm curious to see what you're going to bring up. Yeah, like, we'll, do we'll do Edge. All right, so there you go. So next week on $2 Steak, a pro wrestling podcast, we're going to have the Rated R Superstar. Uh, I'm excited about it. I, I, I've got a soft spot for Edge in my heart. I have a feeling. Uh, uh, I have a feeling I'm getting a Vampire Edge match. You're either gonna get a Vampire Edge match or a TLC match. Uh, like, there's gonna be some. Uh, there has been some shitty things that he has done in his career. Whew. Terrible. I'm trying to think. Did he wrestle Great Kali ever? I, I think oh, he gosh. did. I think we might Probably. have to have a Great Kali match in there. Oh, that's gonna be sloppy. Oh, <laughs> sloppy stakes for all of us. Thank you for listening to $2 Steak, a pro wrestling podcast.